Hi, I'm Brianne Jenner, and you're listening to Level Playing Field. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Level Playing Field. Level Playing Field is my podcast. My name is Randy Boos, where I interview LGBT athletes and sports personalities. This week, I was originally going to have um, Haley Videkis on, who is a former basketball player at the University of Pepperdine. Her episode will be next week. This week, I'm actually um, going to be posting my interview with Brianne Jenner. Brianne is a Canadian Olympic team member. She is one of the women who have made up the Professional Women's Hockey Player Association. And we get into all that and I explain what that's about in the interview. Brianne was a lot of fun. She put up with my questions as a fan of women's hockey and women's sports. It was great to have her on. This year has been crazy for, for women's hockey. There's been a lot of ups and downs, and we go into that a little bit. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Brianne. Like I said, I always want to keep my intro short. So let me go ahead and without further ado, here is my interview with Brianne Jenner. Thank you, Brian, so much for coming on the podcast. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to hockey. Um, and before we get on to this past year in, in women's hockey, I want to get to know you a little bit more. So when did you start playing hockey? When did you first like fall in love with the game? I fell in love at a pretty young age. Um, I started skating when I was two and playing when I was three, if you can believe it. Um, I kind of had the quintessential Canadian upbringing. My, my dad made a rink in the front yard and I'd be out there skating. And my mom always says that she'd have to beg me to come in to get my diaper changed. So <laughs> I think I, I just fell in love with it from a young age and, you know, still, still pretty passionate. You know, you talk about, you know, being out in the front rink that your dad built. Did, uh, like, what are your first real memories of playing, playing the game? Like the first like organized, organized game, I guess. Yeah, I remember, um, well, I started playing, again, I said when I was three, um, and I played in a league that my dad and uncle ran, and it was at this terrible rink um, in my hometown, Oakville, and it was, uh, it, the structure was like one of those bubble facilities, mm -hmm. like those temporary, and it was the coldest rink ever, and I remember, you know, parents always complaining about it, but I just had a blast there. I loved it. I loved playing, and um, I haven't really looked back since. Yeah, I started started when I was three and still going now at 28, which is, you know, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to be doing that. Do you, do you know what was the first thing that caught your, like what made you fall in love with it? Like, cause I, I worked at an ice rink and one of the things that like I remember the most is the early mornings and just like the frost over the ice and there's a smell to an ice rink. Yeah. Yeah. The smell of the old barn like rink is just something that it just brings up positive feelings and positive memories I think for me obviously it was something that you know I shared with my dad and I'm, I'm still very close with my dad and it was something that we did together and but I think you know if I'm being honest with myself like when growing up I was just I was so competitive I loved you know challenging myself physically I loved competing um, you know I loved playing all different sports and you know hockey obviously it was just I think the one that I happened to like the most um, but I kind of 
my mom would say when I was growing up, I'd turn everything into some sort of game, some sort of competition. <laughs> <laughs> my brother would be over playing with like Lego and connects and, you know, he was very, you know, focused in his play and I would be like trying to find somebody to play mini sticks with or, or throw a ball around with. So I think it was just naturally what I was drawn to. Was he older, younger? Uh, my brother's older. Yeah. Four and a half years older. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I imagine little sister interrupting his, his playtime wasn't the most appreciated. Oh yeah. I'm sure I was annoying a lot of the time. You mentioned other sports. What other sports did you play? I did uh, cross country, um, softball, soccer, basketball. I, I basically tried out for every team that my elementary school had. Um, just just tried everything. I don't know if I was the best at everything, but I, I certainly love soccer and basketball, especially. I did that at a, at a fairly high level. When did you make the transition to primarily hockey? I think it was following my grade nine year. I started to realize that I could maybe, you know, go somewhere with hockey and, you know, potentially get, you know, scholarship or, or go to school in the States for hockey and, and maybe Team Canada. So I started to focus around kind of just playing hockey in, in high school. Um, up until then, I was, you know, doing soccer in the summers for a rep team and, and doing a few other things. But around grade nine is when it sort of got got serious that I had to kind of reduce my commitments to other sports and focus on hockey. How was it playing hockey in high school for you? Oh, it was, it was awesome. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I think I made some sacrifices. Like I missed out on the school dances and, you know, different things like that. But honestly, that was probably a okay with me at that age. <laughs> um, I had so much fun. I played for my school team, which was really awesome experience. And then I also played club hockey for uh, Stony Creek, which is in the junior league, junior women's league um, up in Ontario. So I was kind of playing for two teams, playing a lot of games, so busy, but uh, I loved it a lot. And it, actually, it was really good prep being able to to have that time management of, of balancing all all of those things and certainly really good prep leading up to playing university hockey. Yeah. You know, you talk about balance, being a student playing the the high school team the club team what was your typical day like well i i'd usually be in school i guess we'd start maybe like 8 a.m um till three and then it would be um a co-curricular activity at school and then it would be driving to stony creek in the evening um so sometimes there's two practices in a day sometimes i had two games on the weekend for either team so um, I mean, I, I don't think it was that stressful for me. It was probably more stressful for my parents trying to figure out the driving logistics, <laughs> especially with, um, you know, having another kid. But yeah, I, I think time management is something that any student athlete has to has to become pretty proficient at. Otherwise, you can't go very far. A lot of the people I've talked to have mentioned sports was able to sort of be able, be able to put their sexuality on the back burner. Do you think for you it was something that you were able to do as well, being focused with, you know, high school, with two teams? You mentioned not going to dances. Yeah. Hmm, that's a, you know what, I've actually never thought of it that way. Um, perhaps. I think, I think the biggest thing, though, you know, excelling at hockey has given me was the confidence in myself to come out when I was ready. You know, I think lacking confidence is something that everyone has in high school. And I for sure, like socially, I was probably in that space as well. But I had this 
you know, inner confidence that I had gained from setting a goal, you know, usually that was in hockey and, and working towards it and feeling, um, I guess, fulfilled internally about, you know, myself and what I was doing. So I think I probably, you know, put more of my focus on hockey and, and on my athletic pursuits. But I think ultimately that was something that gave me the confidence to come out, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, no, totally does. Mm-hmm. Your high school uh, career, you were team captain, correct? Yes. What do you think you got from that leadership role in high school that was able to help you as you progressed in, in minors in, in college? Hmm. I, I think... Being a leader of that team, um, you know, both the club team and the high school team, I think I probably didn't appreciate that opportunity as much as I, you know, do now. Um, you know, you always get wiser as you get older. But I think what I learned from, you know, wearing a letter in those years was just the enjoyment that comes from when you have team success. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you feel fulfilled when, when you're able to set, you know, personal goal and accomplish that. But there's something that's really special, especially when you're playing for your school, um, about having success with people that are part of your community, that are your peers, that are your classmates. Um, that was something that was really cool about, you know, being a leader on on that team. And my high school team, when I arrived there, I think we, my grade nine year, we hadn't scored a goal. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, for the first half of the season when I, I kind of came halfway through. And then by the, you know, four years later, we had so many strong players come in. So, like, a lot of hard work put into the program, a great coach. And we are, were able to win two championships in my senior year. So to be a part of that from when we weren't so strong to when we kind of finally reached the top, it was a, it was pretty special. And it's always an honor when your peers and your classmates and teammates see you as a leader. I think that's, you know, a great compliment. And I felt, you know, humbled by that. Oh yeah, definitely. At one point in your high school career, are you thinking that this is going to get you somewhere? This is going to maybe help you go to the college and play it and continue to play the sport that you love? Well, I think recruitment happens so early. It's actually unbelievable for athletes. So, you know, by grade nine, I was starting to, to realize that, you know, going to the NCAA was, you know, hopefully a reality as long as I continued to improve and continue to grow um, in those, you know, three, four years. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, I mean, you start getting, you know, some people start getting letters in grade nine and 10, which is crazy. And I know nowadays um, the young, the young hockey players are committing to schools in grade nine, which I can't even, oh, I can't even believe. I know I committed in like grade 12 year, like my senior year. But yeah, it's it's changing now where a lot of girls know where they're going to be playing university hockey when they're just starting high school, which is insane. That's crazy. And then for you, you're playing in high school, you're thinking about college, and then Vancouver hosts the 2010 Winter Olympics. And while you wouldn't make that team, there had to be still... I mean, are you able to even think about the Olympics at that point? Or Well, yeah, I mean, the, the last... Um... The last month of my senior year, I actually wasn't at school. I was at a training camp with the national team. So um, I was in the pool of players that, that moved to Calgary to train for those Olympics and was one of the, one of the last cuts. So it was, it was tough to watch that, that Olympics, especially as a young player, not 
I, I don't think at that time I really appreciated how amazing of an experience that was. Um, but being being cut from that team, I think, taught me what I needed to do to make it four years later. So it was for sure it was for sure on the radar. And it was yeah, by that time, it was it was my goal and it was in my sights. I imagine in 2000 and sorry, the timetable is going to be weird. But in 2006 yeah. in Torino, I think it was Torino. Yeah. Watching it as a hockey fan. Yeah. And then 2010 being almost to the point where you make the team. Does it change the way you watch the game on TV? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, those players. Now I grew up and I mean, I idolized the team Canada players. I had all their hockey cards. I had their jerseys. I, they were my heroes. I still are my heroes. Um, and then, you know, going to your first camp and you're sitting in a stall beside Carolyn Moulette, who's, you know, your favorite childhood player. It's a little bit surreal. <laughs> and after, you know, a couple months you, you get over it and you realize that they're, you know, just normal human beings and you can hold a conversation with them without <laughs> uh, fangirling or anything. So it's definitely, it's, it's still surreal to me to think that I've, you know, been on that team, you know, as long as I have. And cause I was that young girl that, uh, you know, had the hockey cards and was, you know, glued to the TV screen when they played. Is it weird to be on the opposite end now where in not to skip ahead, cause we'll still go through it, but to be, you know, the veteran player, the one who's been to two Olympics and now you have these young kids coming up who yeah, are looking at you the same way. It's crazy. And I think, you know, when you get in the routine of things, you, you sometimes forget that you kind of go about your business. And then I think having that perspective and remembering like, wow, like these kids, these kids are looking to me just like I looked up to Carolyn and just look like, like I looked up to, to Cassie Campbell. Like it's, it's pretty amazing. And um, anytime I have the chance to kind of be around uh, young female hockey players and get on the ice with them. And, you know, I have a camp in the summer that I run and it's just a special week because you have such a positive influence on those kids. So it's important to remember that. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's, that's cool that you also give back. Yeah. I think, I think women's hockey players are probably the most accessible of of pro athletes um i think you know my peers are amazing at that they're always in the in their communities coaching you know holding clinics things like that so we try as a i think a player group especially with you know the players association we try to really be a part of our communities so you you get cut on the last few days and at this point also you're getting ready to go to college and you go to cornell yeah, I end up going to Cornell. Yeah. How do you choose Cornell as your your college you attend? Always wanted to go to the Ivy League. Um, academics was really important to me, and I thought, you know, if I have a chance to be able to get into one of these great schools, um, I should take it. And um, I went and toured uh, a few different schools. I I toured Dartmouth. I went to Harvard, and I, I was actually pretty pretty set and adamant on going to Harvard and then I had one last official visit to Cornell and I just fell in love with the campus I fell in love with the community there it's just a fantastic school and they're so supportive of their women's hockey team and I just thought I gotta I gotta be here in this environment and um had a fantastic career there really really enjoyed my time and I think most importantly really enjoyed the academics and the school it was interesting going to 
um, I guess the biggest culture shock was going to an American university where, you know, sororities and fraternities are, are really big deals and, um, you know, the football games and all that. So it was, it was a, a fun experience that way, for sure. How was that first year at, in college for you? Was it easy to, I mean, I imagine you, with the team, you have an instant friendship group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I imagine it helps you. Oh, it was so easy. I mean, I actually arrived late to campus because I had a, a Team Canada training camp. So when I arrived, um, all the other freshmen on the hockey team had already made like 20 friends with others, like students and other athletes. So I just kind of arrived and had a built in network and it was it was super easy. Um, and I had an absolute blast that first year. It was really challenging academically. You have to put in a lot of work um, to do well at Cornell, but it was, I had so much fun putting in that work and, and, and playing on the hockey team. It was just an absolute blast. And at this point, you are having to juggle, I imagine, your, your college playing time versus your Team Canada commitments. Yeah, there's always, you know, three or four times with the national team that you're kind of pulled away from your normal life throughout the year. Um, and, you know, the, the coaches at Cornell and all my teammates and that were, were super understanding. Uh, you know, a lot of my teammates were, were traveling with me to those camps. Um, but it's funny when you're at an Ivy League school, there's, you know, a few professors who just really don't understand what you're leaving for. <laughs> They're like, oh, my French class isn't the most important thing to you right now. But. Yeah, so I had I had to be really diligent with that. I had to like let professors know at the very, you know, first class of the year that, you know, this is my schedule and these are potential dates I'm gonna be away and all that. And um, you know, not not quite the same treatment as some of my teammates that I've had that went to, you know, big state schools and the profs were like, you know, pretty pretty lenient when it came to leaving, but overall it was, yeah, a, a pretty great experience. But they're still making allowances for you when you did go to world championships or um some professors did, some didn't. I I had a few classes where I had to Skype into the class when I Really? Was yeah, yeah. <laughs> Academics first. I mean, I guess it's an Ivy League school, so it makes sense, yeah. but still, I mean, it's like, geez, guys, look at what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. That that unfortunately the argument didn't work. I wish I wish you were the professor. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a whole different class, but Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you're there at Cornell for four years, and towards the end of your time there, it's obviously the next time for the, the next Olympics, or and this time it was in Sochi. Mm-hmm. Before we started recording, you talked about being out to friends and family, but not to the world in a way. And Sochi being obviously in Russia, Russia having their own LGBT issues. How did it feel as you're on your first Olympic team, you're going to a place that the most LGBT friendly, at least yeah. that's what you hear in the media. What was that like for you heading into your first Olympics? Well, I think, you know, a couple months out, it was kind of something that, you know, in the back of my mind was like a little bit worrisome. And obviously you, you know, you worry about, you know, Russians that are living in that country and you, you fear for, for them because obviously that's, that's scary. Um, but we, uh, that was something our staff did such an amazing job of addressing that and talking about that and preparing us for the Olympics. And we go through, before we go there, we went through, you know, everything from like emergency action plan to, you know, what 
the seal, the Canadian Olympic committee's policies are and, and just, they, they prepared us in every possible way. And that was one of the things that we talked about. Um, and they always, uh, we go through a lot of media training. Um, but I remember, I do remember thinking, you know, if I get asked a question, what's my response going to be? And it was tough because I'm someone who, who obviously, you know, wanted to in a way denounce their laws but the tough thing is when you're going to an Olympics and you have such a huge focus, uh, media focus on you that you, it's just incomparable to anything else that you have um, throughout your career. You, you aren't just thinking of yourself when you're on a team sport, you're thinking of your entire team. And so there's certain things that, you know, I would avoid saying, I guess, at an Olympics on any topic because you don't want to draw attention that's going to be draining to your team, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like the more the more media attention, whether it's positive or negative, sometimes can be not a good thing because it means instead of, you know, resting and, and having time for a nap for your, like your whole team that afternoon, you're going to the media center or you know, you're getting asked questions that are, you know, having nothing to do with your hockey game. So it's kind of one of those tough things that you have to balance as an athlete, especially as an athlete on team sport. But, you know, actually going to the Olympics, that was something that really never came up. Um, You know, I was, you know, a rookie on the team. And so I didn't have, you know, a ton of the media. Um, So I was kind of prepared to speak on the topic. But um, you know, didn't didn't necessarily come up. And were you guys able to walk in the opening ceremonies as a team? Yeah, yeah, we we were. It was really it was really amazing. Yeah, what is that moment like for you? I mean, you're this is obviously <laughs> probably the biggest <coughs> stage you've ever been on. Yeah, at least in to... my mind, just the Olympics. Oh, for sure. I mean, and it was kind of hard to put into words. I think there's two. When I think back at the most amazing moments from Sochi winning gold and standing on the blue line. And then that moment when you march into the stadium, because for me as a, as a first time Olympian, it was like that first dream come true. Like, wow, you are officially an Olympian now walking into that stadium. And then, you know, the second part of my dream growing up was, was to be a gold medalist. So, you know, that obviously was pretty amazing as well, but just to, just to step into that stadium and, behind the Canadian flag and soak all of that in. It's, it's hard to put into words. Yeah. I I couldn't imagine what that's like. And you go through the whole two week tournament, like you said, you win the gold medal and then having that, the closing ceremonies, the differences between the two, I mean, you must have all this energy and, and excitement at the beginning. And at the end, it's almost like maybe a sorrow that it's all over. Yeah, there's definitely this, you know, Olympic hangover <laughs> when you've, you know, been training for how long to, to build up to that moment. But of course, when you win, it's a, a little bit different feel in the closing ceremonies. And I've you know, been through, um, you know, closing ceremonies of, you know, both experiences. But I think there's just a lot of relief. There's just so much emotional, I guess, energy put into that physical energy, mental energy that at the end of a year like that, with all that training, you're ready for some downtime. You're ready to spend some time with your family. You're ready to spend some time with your significant other and just remember that you're 
Brianne the person and not just Brianne the hockey player. <laughs> you know, 2014, you guys win. 2018, you guys come in second. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not the, the best subject to talk about, but is there anything better than the U.S.-Canadian rivalry in women's hockey? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, yeah. if you're not, if you're even if you're not a hockey fan, you have to be watching these games in the Olympics and like the 2018. And I know US won, but yeah, um, just it was such an amazing thing to watch. Yeah, you know, I mean, you wish it could go on forever as a fan, just because it's so freaking exciting. Yeah, I mean that game was a was an unbelievable game for sure, and I think Sochi was the same. And you know, pretty much every time we play those guys, it's it's a hard fought battle. It's a one goal game. You know, it's going into overtime. It's going into shootout. So do you like that? Do you like the idea of a shootout to end it? I mean, I guess I can speak to this as a hockey fan, as a hockey fan. I'd rather see the teams continue to fight it out. I'd rather see four on four, three on three, but as a player that played in the shootout where I lost, I mean, it was fair. They scored, you know, more than we did in the shootout. And so um, fair is fair, but certainly as a fan, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd much rather see, especially when it's Canada, US, I'd just love to see us keep, keep battling. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it's it just, yeah, it's been amazing to watch and I continue, I look forward to it. It's one of the highlights of the Olympics now. Mm-hmm. One final thing about the Olympics, and I want to move on to this past year with, with hockey. Sure. It must be interesting to play, obviously you're playing for your country, so it's one thing. So you're obviously super excited. You want to win, but it's also something being a professional athlete. You're also playing against people that you are, are friends with, your teammates with during you know the pro season. So is it is it weird to see to have that relationship on the ice where you want to win, you're going to do all you can to win, but you still have to come together when it's all over. Honestly, no. I think that's just something we're so used to. You know, we're we're used to playing against each other in college. We're used to playing against each other, you know, when we had the CWHL and and internationally. And so I think it's just something you become accustomed to. And if if you're someone that, you know, can't, you know, battle hard against, you know, people that are your teammates out there, I don't think you can last very long in professional sports. I mean, even in practices, like you're you can go up against a teammate that, you know, is always on your team, whether it's club or, you know, on the Canadian team, but you've, you've got to battle hard. Otherwise, you know, no one gets better. So I think, I think most people are pretty good at, at drawing the line and, and, you know, we're, we're bitter rivals with the Americans and we absolutely, you know, hate them on the ice, but when, (laughs) when we're off the ice, uh, we have a lot of respect for each other because, you know, we have ultimately have the same goal. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a lot in common. You know, we're both working hard to to win gold, but then we also have the same goal when it comes to our pro league. We want to see, we want to see our game continue to grow. So, I think uh, there's a lot of you know mutual. I don't know if hate on the ice. I don't know if that's the right word. There's a lot of, you know, that rivalry on the ice, but a mm-hmm. ton of mutual respect off the ice. Yeah, and you know, that's sort of what I want to get to also um, with the current situation. But before I do. You ended up after college signing with the Canadian Women's Hockey League, um, and you played with them for what three or four years? Uh, yeah, I was with the Calgary Inferno for four seasons. Obviously, if you don't follow hockey, um, you don't know. But this past, I think March, the end of March, CWHL basically 
folded having probably part of the reason is just the two leagues in, in North America didn't help. And through the folding of the CWHL became the professional women's hockey players association. How early on did you get involved in that process of forming this players association? Well, I guess the first kind of seeds were planted for that association. I mean, we found out about the CWHL folding when we were in Finland for the world championships. And uh, it was a huge shock. Um, And obviously really difficult timing because we were all, you know, preparing for pretty, you know, the biggest tournament of of the year for us. But I think one of the advantages of, of us all finding out when we were there is that, you know, the American team was there, the Finns were there, the Swede, you know, everyone was in one place. And so, you know, despite again, like our rivalry on the ice, there was a few Americans and a few Canadians that, that met and talked things through and started to figure out, hey, like, where do we go from here? Because we knew, you know, we know ultimately they want one sustainable league that draws the best players in North America, draws, you know, the best players from North America and from Europe and from wherever. Um, and we wanted that too. So conversations started happening, um, you know, in Finland and then throughout the spring and summer, we, we officially formed a, a board of, of players and um, have been, you know, now we have nearly 200, you know, of the top women's hockey players in the world that are united together uh, for one goal. And um, it's been, uh, you know, it's been a challenging road, but it's been pretty amazing to have everyone on the same page and be working towards the same thing. Is it naive to think that part of this, forming of this association had anything to do with the U.S. women's soccer team and their their fight and unite to to get paid better? I mean, did you look at that at all and, and think that's what we should do? Um, I, I don't think we looked at that example and said, oh, that's what we need for our situation. But I think, you know, any any sports fan probably saw what they did and was inspired by it for sure. And we have a ton of respect for that team and, and what they did together. Uh, and I think it speaks to, you know, strength and numbers and, and being united towards a common goal for sure. And that's something that, that definitely inspires us. But our situation, I think, you know, is, is different. Um, we want to build something. We want to build, I guess, a league that's going to last forever. You know, we've had, you know, different iterations of, professional semi-professional women's hockey leagues and you know we we thought we were going in such a great direction with the CWHL and and to see it fold was was devastating and we don't want to continue I guess to have that threat for players that are coming up we want there to be a place to play and we want there to be good support for them you know equipment provided you know not having to pay out of pocket to you know park at the airport not having to pay for meals on the road um, just simple things. I think, unfortunately, sometimes people think that we're over here asking for, you know, million dollar contracts and it couldn't be further from that. We just, we just want to be able to play in a league that, that lasts and, you know, be compensated at a moderate amount for our time and our effort. And I think what players of our caliber deserve. How did you get, how did Billie Jean King get involved? Billie Jean King, obviously the one of the founding members of the Women's Tennis Association back in the, the late 60s, she 
she fought along with others to to form this new association for the women's tennis players. How did you yeah. get her involvement in this players association? So I don't know if I have the answer to how the first connection happened, but I know, you know, way back in Finland when we were having those conversations, you know, Billie Jean was already, you know, um, had knowledge of our situation and, and was already extending a, a hand to, to help out. She's honestly been a rock for the PWHPA um, since we were founded and her and her partner, Alana do so much amazing work um, for us and are a great spokesperson and advisors for us. And honestly, couldn't be more grateful for, for what they've done. And I had the opportunity to meet her, you know, a couple of weeks ago in Chicago and she's the real deal. Um, she's pretty charismatic and a unifying leader. Oh yeah. I mean, she, what she does for women's sports and LGBT issues has mm-hmm. been amazing the last, you know, 30, 40 years. And especially the last 10, I think, where she's been more active um, in the media, it seems like. I, I want to talk about the CWHL and um, and in it, how it worked with the, the NWHL, the Northern National Women's Hockey League. The Canadian Women's Hockey League technically was considered amateur, right? Because when it first started, it it didn't pay as much or pay at all. Is that correct? Or am I misunderstanding that? I know when it started, it didn't pay. I know we, we didn't re- start receiving um, any s- sort of um, stipend until I think two or three seasons ago. Um, and it was it was pretty minimal. minimal. Um, the goal of the CWHL was always to, to be there and to be sustainable. Um, <laughs> I don't know where we went wrong or where it went wrong, but yeah, paying the players, uh, there, there wasn't a ton of money for that because they were just, you know, trying to make the most of the budget they had. However, one of the benefits of the CWHL, which is one of the things you guys want to fight for, is it provided health insurance, if I'm understanding correctly. Uh, well, we were, we had travel insurance when we played in the United States, um, and we were covered if should we be injured in, in any way while training. Um, but obviously, you know, health insurance and in, in Canada, we have that coverage. Um, right. Yeah. For you as a player, you chose the CWHL from the very beginning. That's what you stuck with. Yeah. When it folded for you, there was no interest in going to the NWHL. Uh, no, there wasn't a lot of interest, um, for me, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of conversations that happened with. Um, peers that had played the NWHL, um, a lot of conversations with American players, and uh, we didn't feel that it's that it is a league that um, is what we should be, I guess, supporting or or building off of. Um, I, we think that there needs to be, I guess, you know, higher standards for for play and for the supports for for those athletes, and you know. I never experienced it, but I certainly trust the players that, that had been in that league. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but I think what we're doing now, I think is, is important. And, you know, if we don't do it, then it's going to be, you know, pushed off to, you know, the next generation of players. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't consider playing in the NWHL. There's a difference between saying that you didn't want to play for the NWHL and you didn't want to play against the people that make up the league. You know what I mean? When you guys go through this, the players association 
on your end, and I'm not saying that you've said this, but the people involved or, you know, the fans and just stuff on social media, it basically appears that there's no way for a, a league to form that is going to be what you guys need without the NWHL going away. You don't see like an, an outcome where the NWHL does become what you need it to be. Um, so I think, yeah, there's some truth to that. I don't, I think there needs to be ultimately for our goal, one sustainable professional league in North America. Um, and ultimately we don't feel that, you know, the NWHL and it's in its current state is that league. And I think, you know, I, I, I support you know, all players that, that want to play at the highest level, but I certainly do wish that, you know, players would join the PA and, and what it stands for. Um, and I think our focus is growing the game. Uh, you know, it's not about where it's at right now and making the most of situation. It's about setting the table for the next generation and building something that is going to last. Yeah. Do you, do you think the next league will be more successful or do you think it doesn't affect it if it is formed by the NHL and it becomes like a WNHL thing like the WNBA for the NBA? Do you think you need NHL involvement? Um, I don't think we need NHL involvement, but I think we would really benefit from NHL involvement. I mm -hmm. think when you look at um, the most successful um, leagues, WNBA, NWSL, the using this, the infrastructure that's already there has led to a lot of success for those. Um, could we, you know, start from scratch and, and build? I, I think we could. Um, but I think we would be skipping over, you know, stages of development and going to a much stronger place if we were to pair with, with the NHL. Um, I think that would be a great partnership. As a fan, I could tell you the only thing that really I would be afraid of with the NHL involvement is um, if they tried to push you towards the summer, like they do, with, like the NBA does with the WNBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because sure. I mean, just yeah. even the calendar for for um, IIHF, that would screw up that as well, wouldn't it? I guess it would. I mean, I think, you know, at this point with where things are at, you know, we don't have a competitive season. I think our player group is, you know, pretty open-minded about whatever opportunity comes mm -hmm. our way. And I don't think we're going to, you know, rule out anything. You know, obviously our goal right now is just to get our story out there and, you know, showcase our game showcase our product get more people in the stands to see it um prove that we have something that that people will will pay to see um and we and we do believe that you look at you mentioned that you look at the you know olympic tv ratings and you know the women's hockey game is up there among, among you know the top events um so i i think there is a market for that we just we just got to keep spreading the word and, and putting in the work and I think you guys are doing an awesome job too with the um, the weekends you're having where you're playing. You're you have your own teams that you set up through the association. Mm -hmm. um, you're going throughout the Northeast and really giving an exhibition to fans that maybe don't see it, don't support it before, but possibly will in the future. How have those been? I think you played in one or two at least, right? Yeah, we've had uh, three showcases so far. 
Uh, the first one was in Toronto, and it was fantastic. We had a, a sold-out crowd, tons of people in the rink, so it was it was really amazing. Lots of media coverage, and then we had one in New Hampshire. Um, I wasn't one of the athletes that traveled to that one, but I heard it was, uh, again, a great event. And then we had uh, our last one in Chicago a couple weeks ago, and a, lar- a, a big amount of, of media presence. Um, Billie Jean was there, so, you know, that helped for sure, but um, great quality hockey. So we're just we're just trying to you know showcase what we do and and get get more people in the stands and expose them to it. I think you know the biggest struggle we have is at least when we had the CWHL is you know people leave the games having really enjoyed the entertainment, really enjoyed the hockey, but there's just not that many people that know that there's you know pro female hockey players in their city, and mm-hmm. so that's kind of something that we have to. And we're young, right? When you think about the CWHL it was only in its 10th year uh, a few seasons ago so you know in the grand scheme of things when the NHL was was 10 years in it was uh it looked a lot different <laughs> than it does now so oh, we yeah. understand that it takes time to build these things and and what we're trying to do right now is just expose more people to our product and I've obviously it's in the northeast so I haven't been to one but I do love how at the end of the the showcase you guys are actually out with the the fans the the young kids that yeah. are you're really going to make an impression on you're able to interact with them and, and play around with them so it's really cool to see that yeah i mean that's the really cool thing is we're we're so accessible to to young players that they come to the game um you know chances of seeing us after and and chatting with us and getting autographs and getting pictures is it's pretty high so and it's something that that we enjoy um you know my my peers are amazing at making themselves accessible to young fans. So I think it's something that uh, we take pride in for sure as a player group. And then a couple seconds ago, you mentioned exposure over the weekend, uh, Budweiser Canada. No, I was actually last week, Budweiser Canada released their, their commercial. Yeah. You were in. (laughs) I was in it. Yeah. How do they approach you? Do you approach them? And how does that process go? How did, how did it all work out? Uh, well, within the PA, we have um, uh, two people that do a lot of work for us in, in, in gaining sponsorships and, and reaching out. And we've had so honestly, since we made this announcement and since we banded together, we've had so much interest from corporations and businesses that really want to support us at the ground level. Um, I think they see the momentum behind what we're doing. And I think they see the momentum behind female sports in general and female professional sports, which is really exciting. I think we're at a, you know, as negative as this past year was for hockey, I think we're at a really, really positive space in, in women's sports. Um, unprecedented how much attention has been given to it. And I think businesses recognize that. So, um, you know, Budweiser Canada has, has been a huge supporter of us. And it was really cool. They, they, they you know, had a call to action for, for other companies to, to step up and support this and, and promote what we're doing. So um, it was an honor to be a part of that. I think they did a pretty cool job with the commercial. It's really interesting to think too, how quick it has happened. You know, you talk about the end of the CWHL in March and from now you've had showcases, you have sponsorship with companies. Yeah. Budweiser doing this video so much has happened and now NHL players, whether they're, you know, retired and they're doing commentary on TV or or their current players, they're retweeting your message, they're they're talking about you. So you are growing the sport in a way that it hasn't had the opportunity in the past. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think we're hard on ourselves and in the PA and thinking, oh, we got to get more done. But it's it's actually been pretty amazing how much has happened in the short time span, as you mentioned. Obviously, there's a sense of urgency, though, from from all of us because we love hockey and, you know, we want to be playing. We want to be competing. But I think it's, you know, we have to remember as as athletes, it's always tough to do this, but we have to remember to be patient and um, stay committed and stay unified. That's the most important thing. I know you guys will have big announcements in the future, so you're not going to be able to, you know, say stuff now. But there must be a plan going forward the next year to what what's next for you guys. I mean, Four Nations tournament was just canceled because of Sweden uh, women's team wanting more and in fact they got more uh i think what two or three weeks ago they were getting more pay and and more coverage mm-hmm. but what what's next for you guys what how what's what's the next stages that you can talk about um hmm, i don't know what i what i could divulge but i mean at this point we have to you know weigh our options and and see you know what comes of of this, you know, media attention and, and what we've been able to accomplish so far. So I think at this point, um, it's too tough to say what, what next year will look like, to be honest. But certainly, I mean, we're all hoping that there isn't a need for a PA next year. That would be the ultimate goal. Um, but we're prepared should should we have to stay unified for, for longer. Well, I would imagine you guys would probably try to morph it into whatever whatever's next, right? Since you already have the... Yeah, I the, mean, the, the business dream, set up and everything. Yeah. The the dream would be um, to have, you know, a PA that is part of a, a league. Right. Um, you know, similar to, to the NHLPA. So I, I guess the dream would be to, to, to close up shop of the PWHPA and, and have the next iteration of it. Um, but I think there's, you know, a lot of work to do before before we get there. What's next for you personally? We've talked a lot about the, the... Yeah. Uh, what what are you up to now? I mean, because you obviously have um, world championships in three or four months. Yeah, yeah, in April. So obviously, Hockey Canada is gonna to bring you guys together soon. Yeah, what's next for you? Um, right now, I mean, I'm I'm in season as much as you can be in season without you know meaningful games. But we're we're setting up a lot of exhibition games with. Um, the two Toronto teams and the Players Association. So um, I'm training, I'm on the ice a lot, I'm in the gym a ton. Um, we've got some Hockey Canada camps coming up in November and in December. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, doing my, you know, regular full-time athlete thing. And then I, I do, you know, some coaching on the side and some public speaking and things like that. So, you know, in terms of commitments, life looks similar to, to what it looks like in a CWHL year it's just kind of lacking lacking the competitive games are there any plans to come to the to California for the the showcases um well we did have a player group that actually played in San Jose uh, right the sharks helped yeah, something. yeah um I'm not sure about uh, I think we're going to be announcing probably some some more showcases in the coming months, but I don't think I can divulge those locations yet. Okay, <laughs> that's a terrible answer, I know, but it's but okay. We are it... coming to Anaheim with uh, the rivalry series, Canada U.S. So, so that's a big thing coming up. Oh, February. really? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. 
let me go ahead and let you go. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. It's been a thank lot of you. fun and, and thank you for putting up with my questions. No, it was great. Uh, you have a, a great understanding of the women's hockey world. It's cool. I'm a fan of uh, women's hockey and women's sports in general. And I, I, I do wonder if there's going to be a time where the women's sports come together to sort of help spread a message. Because it seems like a lot of the fans sort of trickle in through all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I do wonder if that'll eventually help. But, um, but anyways, I will let you go. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Randy. Best of luck with, with editing and podcasts. Thank you so much, Brienne, for being on the podcast. Thank you for putting out my questions. I had a lot of fun talking with you. Thank you guys for also listening to this podcast. This has been a lot of fun since I started in March. I look forward to seeing where this takes me in the future. Um, I have an episode coming up with Haley Videkis, and I will have probably about five more episodes this year, and I'm going to be taking a little winter break for Christmas. But until then... Um, Have an awesome week, and I look forward to seeing you next Tuesday. Thank you.